Jessica suddenly bolted upright to a sitting position. I'm in your apartment, she cried. How did I... He gently pushed her back onto the pillows and reapplied the ice pack. You have to take it easy. You've had a bad knock on the head. I carried you up here. Jessica noticed the unfamiliar T-shirt she was wearing, and her brow creased with puzzlement. Oh, I thought you were bleeding, said Dr. Nichols, so I took off your blouse. Of course, now I realize it was just tomato juice. A tomato juice. The bottles must have broken when she fell. Before Jessica could think about Dr. Nichols taking off her blouse, she was suddenly aware that she was no longer wearing her bra. As if reading her mind, the doctor continued, Your bra looked like it was soaked in blood, so I removed it, too. She felt for her skirt. It was missing. If you're wondering about your skirt, it's in the bathroom. Stained with tomato juice? Jessica let her head sink into the pillow. She was wearing granny panties. Tomorrow was laundry day, and it, it was the only clean underwear she had. Jessica shut her eyes and told herself that, as a doctor, he was used to seeing women naked all the time. To make sure, she decided to put their meeting on a professional footing. What's your specialty? she asked, slowly opening one eye. As a doctor, I mean. Reconstruction, he said. As in plastic surgery? No, as in American history, he grinned. You're not a medical doctor, she cried, removing his hand from the ice pack. A medical doctor, Dr. Nichols said, laughing. Would a medical doctor think tomato juice was blood? I hope I appear more competent than that. Dr. Nichols' knuckles were pressing against the mattress, and his biceps were gleaming in the candlelight. Jessica's mouth fell open slightly. Something the matter, he asked. I think I'd better get back to my apartment. Can I borrow something to wear? Dr. Nichols went over to a chest of drawers and pulled out a pair of boxers. Bringing them over, he said, you can wear these. By the way, he continued, I've been meaning to ask you something. He took a deep breath. Jessica gave him a questioning look. Well? He hesitated, then spoke. Every night, he said, I do my exercises, and every night I see you watching me from that hole in your curtain. Are my exercises really that interesting? For a moment, Jessica couldn't speak. She had no defense. She hadn't been this embarrassed since her college roommate announced to everyone at her 21st birthday party that Jessica had just lost her virginity that afternoon. She avoided his gaze. You know, I really should get going, she said. You don't understand, he said, touching her arm. I've been working out at the same time because you watch. I, I wanted to meet you. It, it just... It was never the right time. Jessica couldn't believe what she was hearing. Her fantasy man wanted her to watch? Wanted to meet her? I'll see you later, she said, in her panic, not realizing how that sounded in light of his knowing about her nocturnal spying. Wait, don't I get a reward as your knight in shining armor, coming to your rescue, staunching your wounds? What wounds? That was tomato juice, she laughed indignantly. Okay, but I did carry you up here, and I did think it was blood. <laughs> well, what sort of reward? A kiss? A kiss? I just smashed my head on the walkway. I've got an ice pack on the side of my head, and you just met me a few minutes ago, and... Dr. Nichols took the ice pack from her hand, lowered his mouth to hers, and silenced any further objection. Jessica gave herself over to the experience. Adrenaline rushed through her body. 
All she could think of was how delicious it was to have his lips on hers. I think I'm getting lightheaded, she said. You're not well enough to leave, said Dr. Nichols, picking the ice pack up again and holding it against her head. As a doctor of American history, I am ordering you to stay put. And what if I object, doctor? Well, that would be cruel and inhumane. As a doctor of history, wouldn't it be inhumanities? That knock on your head did more damage than I thought. Don't you know that the pun is the lowest form of humor? Well, who's being cruel now? Am I going to have to kiss you again to shut you up? Yes, doctor. Dr. Nichols leaned over to kiss her. Wait, said Jessica. I don't even know your first name. My other patients don't call me by my first name. You don't have any other patients. Excellent point. My name is Robert. Nice to meet you, Robert. My name is Jessica. Now kiss me before I pass out again. She let her body slump back into the bed, and Dr. Nichols lay his body down beside her. He leaned over and grazed his lips on hers. Then he delved deeper into her mouth and tasted her. It was a slow, luxurious kiss, and it tingled all the way to Jessica's toes. Again, she said, savoring the taste of him. Dr. Robert Nichols let his hand slide under the sheets as he kissed her again. The Man Who Loved Cezanne To say that Catherine was curious right now would be to understate the case. Curious and excited and nervous and apprehensive and, well, she was such a medley of emotions she could barely concentrate on the road ahead. She brought the car to a halt halfway down on the street so it wasn't visible from the building. Checking her face in the mirror, she dabbed some gloss on the downward curve of her lips. Her eyes, normally a glistening blue, were aquamarine which meant her heart today was pumping more blood than usual. Quickly, she ran a brush through her short blonde hair, then caught her breath. What was she doing here? Had she completely lost her mind? It had all started two weeks ago when the ringing phone roused her from a dead sleep, and with a reluctant air, she listened to an animated voice on the other end. It was Andrea, her gym partner. The words tumbled forth in a torrent of excitement. I know, I know it's really late. I've just, I've got to tell you something. It was just so amazing. I can't describe it. I can't even, I don't know what I'm saying. It was beyond belief. Slow down, Catherine said, still groggy with sleep. What are you talking about? I've just had the most amazing night of my life. Andrea laughed, and the sound of her laughter brought Catherine to a sitting position. Okay, who's the guy, and where did you meet him? Catherine asked. Taking a long breath, Andrea proceeded to give all the details, how she had answered an ad for an office assistant, how she received a phone call the very next day from the employer, how she had her hopes dashed when he told her he'd already found an assistant. He spoke with a clipped accent, and Andrea thought his deep voice sounded like one of those wonderful British actors in those old black-and-white films, and she wanted to continue the conversation just to hear him talk. And so she drew him out. That was Andrea's gift, drawing people out. In less than ten minutes, she discovered that they both loved opera, they both loved Mexico, and they both loved Cezanne. So charmed was the man by Andrea that he asked if she would like to meet him for a drink. They agreed to meet that night at a bar. 
Hearing the story, Catherine could barely contain her shock and rose to her feet. You went for a drink with a man you met over the phone? Andrea laughed again, then resumed her story. Yes, it was a bit crazy, she admitted, but she never did have a drink with the man. What happened was she went to the bar and he wasn't there. She was about to leave when a bartender waved her over. Your name, Andrea? Yes. This is for you. The note pressed into her hand was written with a fountain pen. The note said he had been called away unexpectedly, but wanted to meet her later. He gave the address of his apartment building in the Mid-Wilshire district, and beneath it scrawled the sentence, Silence is the rule, and must be observed at all times. The note was signed, from the man who loves Cézanne. Don't tell me you went to his apartment, Catherine cried over the phone. A gutsy laugh preceded Andrea's response. Why, of course I went. It was all so mysterious. I had to find out what it was all about. Catherine was at the fridge now and eating the brownie left over from a night ago. Instead of chewing on it, she let it dissolve in her mouth so she could hear every word that shot across the wire. So I drove to his apartment and parked halfway down the street. I didn't want him to know what kind of car I was driving in case he was a lunatic. I did a quick check in the mirror, then got out of the car. I thought he might be observing me from the window, so I was conscious of how I walked. I didn't do my normal slow shuffle with my eyes roving all over the place. I walked like a confident woman with my shoulders thrown back and my eyes straight ahead. The building was gorgeous, all gleaming art deco exterior. It was like a building from an architect's dream. Wait, I know that building, Catherine exclaimed. I've passed it a hundred times. Well, that's where I was, said Andrea. So I pushed the white button for apartment 399. And I was about to speak my...